All right. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Duke Basketball Junkies. Here with uh, my good friend and co-host Peter. We are on the phone today, Peter. You're uh, you're in California at a undisclosed location, hiding out from uh, the reality that is uh, the, the UNC ass whooping. Uh, how are you they doing? Took it to the shed, Mike. They took it have to you, the shed. Have you come up for air yet? Have I come up for air? Um, yeah. Was it just me, or did you get a bunch of? Uh, that's what happens when. Did you get all the fat jokes when Zion's shoe broke? No, I got no jokes. No, I don't have any friends except for you and you know, so your friends <laughs> all, all were my, making all fun my, of you. All my all my Duke hater friends texted me that that's what happens when you're 300 pounds and you try to play basketball. <laughs> and it's it's funny to to go to that play. Um, you do recall in the previous few games, like he did the exact same thing where he uh, was dribbling with his back to the basket. He almost did the splits and then he fell backwards. Like I, I feel like that's the fourth or fifth time that that's happened a little bit out of control, um, obviously unfortunate, and I think we got well, some pretty good news that uh, it's it's a grade one mild knee sprain day-to-day, maybe just a game or two. Yeah, for those of you who haven't heard, uh, they're saying it's day-to-day, the injury is not serious. First of all, that's, that's a relief. Uh, we'd be having an entirely different uh, conversation podcast today if it was a serious, serious knee injury, and while, while it was while it was unknown there was sort of a lot of uh it sort of like turned into this should guys like zion play college basketball issue um that you know took over sort of popular media and sports radio discussions um yeah i don't want to get into that quite yet you know maybe we could save that for a little later uh i feel like we should probably just sort of deal with what happened on the court that night i mean we're talking about I mean, I was hyped. I think everybody was hyped. Barack Obama was was courtside, you know, amongst many others. It was like still the NBA All Star breaks. There was a lot of alumnus in the house. Uh, the crowd was probably as primed as as a crowd's ever been in Cameron with this team, with these guys, ready to open a can of what bass on Carolina, and all the air gets taken out of the building. Uh, Thirty seconds into the game. And then yeah. we just just get just get kind of completely outplayed and um we got shellacked. It was almost like we were playing two on five or maybe two and a half on five because Trey Jones still had a really good defensive game, but I mean, outside of our our blue chip freshmen, like no no one is is any good. We didn't have a lot of guys playing well. Cam Reddish played Cam- a surprisingly strong game. I mean he steps up, like especially in the first half. He he stepped yeah. up. He was he was ready to like take the spotlight after Zion. Like he he was like sort of the only guy who who's who's stepping up and for a certain stretch early. Sort of you know I don't know we might have been down thirty if he didn't hit some shots early. Um, yeah. I think Trey Jones was was game to play. Um, he he both, did an outstanding both, job on Kobe White. <laughs> Uh, but offensively, he he was he struggled sure. mightily. Yeah, and and RJ Barrett had a big game too. RJ scores thirty. I, mean, I don't know if a freshman's ever scored thirty three points and had thirteen boards as a in the Duke UNC game. And you know the feeling about him was was not not rosy. Um, he played every minute. 
he was a warrior. You know, they they didn't give up. Duke Duke didn't give up in this game. Um, yes, we, we just sort of were outflanked uh, in a variety of ways, and we and we shot incredibly poorly as we've done in a lot of games recently. Yeah. Eight for thirty nine from three. You know, and RJ and Cam had seven seven of those makes. The rest of the guys went one of sixteen. Um, notably, Jack White, Trey Jones, even my boy Alex O'Connell went over three. And dude, yeah. Jack Jack White, it's it's nearly comical what's what's going on with the guy. I think he's missed what twenty five consecutive, which is I think. I mean, you would have to go far, far back in college basketball history to ever have that happen. I don't. I mean, I think it's mathematically nearly impossible to miss he's, yeah, he's, five in a row. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been six weeks since he's made one, I think, and he's won for his last twenty nine, I guess, over his last twenty five, and before that, before that, he was twenty one for fifty. You know, he was shooting forty percent before that. So, yeah. If yeah. you just flip the coin, if you flip the forty percent likelihood coin twenty five times, how far out of the, the normal distribution are we? How many standard deviations are we away to go yeah. one for twenty nine um when the result's supposed to be eleven for twenty nine ten nine for twenty nine I mean we must yeah. be at about the limit like about three three standard deviations away. It's still relatively small sample size, so it's probably not as unlikely as we think but um what do you think you know do you think it's mental at this point do you think he's running bad uh the shots don't exactly look to me like like uh you know kind of half of them look like they're on target and half of them just look like they're they're well well short or well long um yeah, I think it's a combination. I think he's obviously running bad, and then it's just snowballed. And now I think he probably needs a sports psychologist or a sports psychiatrist because, you know, you can just tell in his body language he's sort of afraid to shoot because he's just so accustomed to, to missing. And you can see, you can tell that his teammates are pulling for him. They want him to shoot it, which is great. But it's, it's almost inexplicable. Um, I, I was happy to see that Coach K – I'm on the free throw line for the technicals, um, and he switched them both. I mean, he's a good free throw shooter. He pured them. Yeah, he's he's over an 80% free throw shooter. What's what's going on with the threes? (laughs) Um, And what are you going to do? I mean, what are you going to do? All all we can do, we've got to play with the guys we have. And, you know, if Trey Jones is wide open for a corner three, he's supposed to take the shot at least some of the time. Jack White's supposed to take that shot. Alex O'Connell... It's supposed to take the shot. Now, Alex O'Connell's still shooting, you know, above thirty-five, between thirty-five and forty percent of the year. So Jordan Jordan Goldwire maybe shouldn't take that shot. Jordan Goldwire probably should never take a, a three-point shot again until he, he, he you know, I, I don't say that lightly because I believe in the three. He's one for twenty this season. Yeah. But like the last five or six shots he's taken, I mean, they've been. They've been just way off. They don't look like they have any chance. There have been multiple, multiple shots by different people. Uh, Goldwire, Trey Jones, um, where they just line line it up and they release it. And you sort of know it's just going to like break backward, barely graze the rim. Um, It's, it's, it's getting to the point where it's almost comical. It's ugly. Those shots, those shots really look ugly. And I don't know, 
I, you know, I know that in practice they don't look, they probably don't look that bad. Trey yeah. is, Trey is just putting full effort out on, you know, he picks up full court. He's, he's, he's an animal. So I sort of get why in a game, you know, he loses, he loses uh, the ability to shoot accurately from three. He wasn't a great three point shooter to begin with, but there's yeah. some times this year a shot early in the, in the year a shot looked better. I think the injuries, you know, maybe not being able to get the reps, like, like, I think he's doing a great job, and I don't have any big issue. I, I do think he needs to take threes occasionally, and I just hope, hope he's working on it. I'm sure he is. Um, Jordan Goldwire probably probably shouldn't be taking threes, and he had a great stretch um, with the pressing defense. But honestly, he's he's a zero on offense. I mean, yeah, against Louisville. Is that, I didn't say that. Um he had a nice stretch there, but but he is just like a historically poor looking shooter for for Duke, he, and he doesn't he doesn't rack up assists, you know, for a guy who's supposedly a point guard. It's not as if he he's contributing yeah, a lot to the passing game in the half court. Yeah. yeah. So and, and teams just don't have to guard him. They don't have right. to guard him, and they can double down and and you know it hurts RJ. It you know when Zion's back. It'll hurt him. It, it's hard to justify Jordan Goldwire seeing a lot of minutes except for when we need a defensive stop. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think Goldwire's in there primarily to double down with Trey with uh, two relatively long, you know, ball-pressuring type guys out, out extending the defense. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. On offense, he's pretty close to zero. He goes and hides in the corner. But he's not the only one. When Javin is on the court, I, I feel like they can basically play off him and play uh, – Well – well, let me let me let me take issue with that. Javin, of course, doesn't have three point range, and isn't yeah. isn't a threat to go one on one, you know, and take the guy off the dribble. Yeah. But when Javin sets a screen, he rolls hard to the basket. And he can finish, um, and he can he can sit in that dunker spot, and he's yeah. somewhat effective, you know, arguably nearly as effective as Bolden, maybe more effective as sort of a, a screener and roller. So I think yeah. there's a role for Javin in the offense and. And he plays, you know. I think I think it's a good argument to be made that he plays stronger team defense than Jordan Goldwire. Um, so I think yeah, Jackson I mean, belongs out there. But how can you have them both? On, how can you have two or three guys on the court that are just completely non-threats? You surround Zion and RJ with those guys, or Cam, and 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 of course people can collapse on them. And, uh, yeah, it's going to make life more difficult. Which is, you know, leads me to my sort of point I, I still i've been banging the alex o'connell drum for a long time he should he should be the guy spacing the, the court while jack white was shooting well there was a little less need for him and jack white obviously provides defensive uh bulk and and, and, and like toughness but uh but alex o'connell he, he should be getting down the stretch the goal you know really i would love to see alex o'connell sort of at least get meaningful minutes on a consistent basis. Um, do you think, do you feel like RJ and Cam don't, don't pass it to guys that aren't named RJ, Cam and Zion and Jack, maybe Jack White and Trey? Like, do you feel like, uh, I feel like, I feel like they just pass up open, open passes to O'Connell when he's in the game. RJ on two plays uh, in the second half, you know, he was, he just took sort of contested threes when he had Alex O'Connell wide open in the corner. 
we sort of made note of this in the past, but you know, yeah. I feel like he's sort of out of the trust zone with those guys or something. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've sort of said in the past that, yeah, I, I think that is the case. Um, I, I think O'Connell had his opportunity. They started off the second half with him starting and he just didn't really contribute that much. Um, I, I feel also that he he sort of he played, he played 17 minutes. He got a look in this game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, and he, he didn't he didn't score. You know, right? I mean, he took you open know. threes. That's a, that's a thing. Um, unluckily, you know, none of them went in. Um, but I I just feel like he shrinks a little bit when he's playing with these guys. Who yeah, they probably view him a little bit differently. I feel like uh, he's run a little bad. But when you look at the stats. Uh, as far as our perimeter players go, he's he's got he's the guy with the best true shooting percentage on the team. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, like, still is right. So and those are good looks. Those are good three. Those are you want him taking those shots. Those are good shots. And when Jordan yeah. Goldwire takes a shot, it's, the, it's one of the worst shots you know the team can take. Uh, and unfortunately, I, I, I Trey Jones as well. Yeah. I bet Goldwire probably isn't obviously this bad. Um, I don't. I don't know. Like to be fair, he shot five of nineteen from three last year, so about a little over twenty five percent. Yeah. So he's not this bad. Probably. I mean, this this year he's shooting what four percent, five percent from three. He's not that bad, right? Yeah, he's shooting five percent, five percent from three, and about thirty percent on wide open layups. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he's a good kid. He hustles. He works hard. I get it. He's a he's he can contribute. There is a role for him. Um, I guess we we we're always in danger of getting caught up in the role players because it's sort of easy to say like, well, nobody else did anything. RJ and Cam scored all the points in this game. You know, sixty of our seventy-two. Yeah. Uh, and the, you know, we got we got basically punched in the face. We, we lost Zion and we just got punched in the face 10 times by Luke May. And exactly. Luke Cam May Johnson. was awesome. And, and that's, that's sort of the thing. We're, we're talking about the three-point shooting. and Yeah, that, that's true. UNC didn't shoot well from three either. They yeah, shot they were two pretty 20. Tough. But yeah. the difference in the game is UNC got 30 easy baskets. Easy yeah. baskets. Uh, based on sort of misrotations and just mismatches uh Marcus Bolden got, you know, one of those games that, that looks like he's, you know, he got played off the court and he's just unplayable against certain types of of uh, matchups. Um, but even when he was off the court, they still were giving up a lot of easy baskets. I can't blame Bolden completely. Uh, everybody struggled to guard Luke May. He was fantastic, so kind of hats off to him. He scored 30, had 15 boards, highly efficient. Ken yeah, Johnson, it- Crushed us too, 26 points on 11 yeah. to 17. And and he didn't make any threes either. I mean, it was it was a pretty terrible shooting mm-hmm. display from the outside. It's it's funny how the the script sort of switched uh, when Zion started off the game. It it seemed like Luke May was going to have to match up with him, and it seemed like Zion was going to be the clear winner in that matchup. And then when Zion goes out, nobody really had an answer for Luke May, who is you know obviously a very good senior player, and he. Is just was just really smart about um, taking smart shots from in the restricted area, um, head fakes, pump fakes. He he basically got whatever he wanted to, um, and exposed us a little bit. It's one of the best one of the best uh, 
offensive games I've seen a guy play in this in this rivalry. Yeah. I mean, you know, him and, and, was him and Cam Johnson. Spectacular. He was just doing, like, just smart, high IQ basketball stuff. But it was spectacular. I mean, it really was. He, he, I mean, he looked, he just, he, he was super ready and focused, and he came in with a mission, and he just freaking rolled us over. Between Cam Johnson and Luke May, if you take out their three-point shots, yeah. They were 24 of 33 from the field. <laughs> and, I mean, it's insane. They had 22 rebounds combined. Uh, they just destroyed us. Bolden in 18 minutes had zero points. Two rebounds. You know how many defensive rebounds Bolden had in this game? One? Zero. <laughs> zero defensive I like, rebounds. I feel, I feel like he played half the game. Yeah, I, I sort of feel like he was taken out of the game. I felt like he didn't played that many minutes that we went small. Well, well it wasn't working, but he played 18 yeah. minutes in this game. Yeah. UNC yeah. went two for 20 from three-point range, and Marcus Bolden, the biggest yeah. guy on the court, and especially yeah. important, needs to step up with Zion not being there. Right. He pulls down zero of those misses. So, I mean, that, that's a bit of an indictment. It inspired me to look on basketball reference at the team stats and individual stats. And I, I was pretty surprised because uh, I'm thinking Bolden's been kind of an anchor down low. Yeah. But his defensive rebounding numbers are incredibly poor. Uh, you know, he's he's averaging about one defensive rebound every eight or nine minutes he's on the court. Yeah. That's, you know, that means even if he's playing, you know, 27 minutes a game, he's got, you know, about three defensive rebounds. That's less Defensive rebounds per minute than Zion, obviously. It's less than R.J. Barrett by a lot. Yeah. And would you believe it's less It's less than Cam Reddish? It's less than Alex O'Connell? I believe. Maybe it's close. Alex yeah, O'Connell. I mean... I mean, in, it's in, pretty insane how, how, how weak of a defensive rebounder he's been. You yeah. can make an argument that maybe Zion goes up and grabs rebounds, but... Look, yeah, Zion in, wasn't in, in there in against you. In his defense, because we switched one to five, I feel like you know they're they're switching to to create a mismatch on him. He he's playing away from the basket a lot. Um, yeah, zero zero defensive rebounds in this game. Where we got, you know, we got, you know, we just got hammered inside. So he wasn't, you know, he just wasn't effective. And he and it, you know, it's a weakness in his game. But he he is a really good offensive rebounder, and he has been all year. Um, yeah, you know, for obvious reasons. You know, defense has to pay much more attention to the other three guys. Yeah, two or three people float over to RJ and Zion and leaves them wide open. But he does he is effective uh, in that role. Uh, and you you could sort of say the same thing about about Javin. Um, in terms of his rebounding numbers, he, neither of those guys are is a, nearly as strong a rebounder as RJ Barrett. Uh, which brings me back to him, and I think you do have to take your hat off to the way they got battled. You know, he, he didn't he's have, awesome. yeah, he yeah, didn't have awesome. that an efficient game. You know, it could have. I mean, I don't blame him for getting frustrated with passing in a game where yeah. nobody's making a shot and taking it on himself. I get it. He doesn't have Zion there. He did, you know, he did have four assists. Uh, he was good from the line, and he had 13 boards. And he yeah. battled the entire time. I mean, he was good. He was, he was pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What so, do you think this all means? 
What do you think it all means? What do we take away? Do we just say, you know, well, Zion got hurt and the wind got taken out of the building and, you know, or... That That is true, and UNC played great. Um, they scored great. They were great offensively. They passed the ball beautifully. So you have to tip your hat to them. Um, I think a lot of our weaknesses were sort of exposed. Um, the lack of bench production, the lack of outside shooting. I mean, you take away Zion, it's going to change the, the game tremendously. But with two two top guys in college basketball on the, on the squad, I still feel like we should have done better. I will say that one one thing to factor in is I feel like we got maybe like four or five or six steals or loose balls, and then we just lost it right back, whether the guy who got the steal was unaware of a defender on his weak side or his backside. And that was like Javin in particular was sort of not strong with the ball. I mean, the first thing you do when you get a loose ball is to secure it, and he just didn't do that. Like they were a little bit sloppy trying to get into the transition game a little too quickly. I feel like that could have made a difference. Um, but, I mean, the bottom line is, one, we didn't have Zion. And then, two, I really feel like as much as I like this team, the, the difference between us and the other top teams is not as, as wide as people thought coming into this game. You know, like if the other team has a great shooting night, we have a little bit of an off night, it's, you know – yeah, we, we were certainly 20, beatable. We I were, mean, I think we that's, 20, that's a, yeah, that's we a totally valid two. point. I think we were 23-2 yeah. and two coming in, but we were somewhat fortunate to win all those close games. Uh, I still like us, but it's not like we are like a dominant, dominant team. I think yeah, I, I, I don't think of this team as super dominant either because of the lack of depth, because of how young the guys are. You know, even though other good teams are filled with young guys too, yeah. Um, because of, you know, sort of the the lack of experience. It's not just um, the age of the players. Like, obviously, R.J. Barrett is a super experienced basketball player, as yeah. is Zion. But, like, you know, some of these guys just, just are still pretty wet behind the ears. Even the upperclassmen, like Alex O'Connell's never really, never really played that many incredibly meaningful moments, minutes, uh, you know, Bolden's never had a big role on on our team. Um, Jack White, you know, who was like the rock early in the year, is that struggling now? He he barely played before this season. So, yeah, I mean, uh, this isn't like the '92 Duke team <laughs> where right. everybody's got years of experience. So when we do lose a game like this, it's a, it's always an opportunity to learn. And I've been impressed that each time we've lost, we've come back really strong as a team. Uh, I think I think the Zion injury gives them sort of an excuse, um, which might actually be – normally I don't like, I don't like excuses, but here, you know, they don't have to sort of get too down on themselves. Um, you know, they don't have to be like, oh, man, maybe, maybe we're not that good. I mean, we've beaten tons of teams, won a lot of close games, as you said. Uh, and I, I that point you made about sort of – uh, we we got a bunch of sort of like open court steals, um, and like immediately gave the ball back um, through carelessness. A couple times it just seemed like it just seemed like those those plays were a bit of bad luck. Obviously UNC deserves credit for for having their hands ready and all that, but it just seemed as if there was a little extra clumsiness going on with the ball that hasn't really been the team identity. I don't think. Carolina was completely responsible for. 
We had yeah. 20 turnovers in this game, you know, and it just seemed uncharacteristic. Uh, maybe it was the atmosphere. Maybe it was the emotional toll of just sort of feeling like they were getting pounded. But um, but I did feel like they got a bit unlucky uh, in terms of some of the turnovers. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know? I agree. Yeah. So uh, we'll delete this from our memory. <laughs> we'll never speak of it again. I mean, how would you how would you feel about this squad if Zion actually were injured and and missed the remainder of the season? Like, what would your what would your take on the on the team be prospects going forward? Uh, I think you know, obviously, would be a little light uh, depth wise because uh, you know. Uh, I guess Jack White moves into the starting lineup. Uh, I'd advocate for O'Connell. Like, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I still feel like we were a pretty strong team. Um, like, we beat Florida State on the road without Zion. You know, Florida State hasn't had, like, a banner season. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we I don't think we'd be Final Four, like, prohibitive Final Four favorites without him. I think we'd, we'd probably – if we'd play the whole season without him, I think we probably, uh, you know, like a maybe like a three seed. Maybe, you know, we're behind UVA, we're behind Carolina in the in the standings. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I sort of tend to agree. Um, I, I think it would take them a while to to get adjusted. Um, but you take away a, a player of Zion's caliber, national player of the year. You know, we're talking about his what was his, his PER being 43 or something. The guy He's literally historically great, close to 70 percent from the field. I mean, that's going to wipe away a lot of the core shooting from the outside. And I, I feel like as as much as we rave about Trey, Zion does so much on defense. I mean, he does maybe gamble a, a tad too much, but you know, he does he does so much um, of of everything: chase down blocks, closing out on on three point shots rebounds, um, just affecting affecting the other team's shots, not just, you know, doesn't necessarily have to be a block or a steal. Um, and I thought I thought we got, you know, sort of exposed. So I'm obviously ecstatic that hopefully he'll be back relatively shortly because our next two games are, are no gimmies. They're not going to be, you know, we're playing at Syracuse and then we're going to play at Virginia Tech. Uh, both quality, quality opponents who are, you know, have nine ACC wins. Yeah, I guess we're gonna we're gonna find out a little more where they're they're prepared to play without Zion if if they play without Zion in a couple of these uh, upcoming games. Um, so you know, we'll find out a little bit. Uh, I, I did think it's like a chance, you know, it's a chance for Cam Reddish to step up. You know, and he did it against Florida State yeah. without Zion, and he did it against Carolina. He's still making like like I don't love him I don't love him in in sort of the in between situations but I thought he made yeah. some really good plays in the open court uh surprisingly deft in the open court in, in this game um, I, I I really I really like Cam Reddish and I I like that he's he's sort of stepping up more and more it's still frightening though his uh two point field goal percentage you know I think he's shooting like 35% from three and his overall field goal percentage is actually lower, which means, you know, he's, he's, he's missing more twos and threes, which is pretty incredible. Yes. Yeah, his shooting percentage numbers, his efficiency hasn't been good, but he's a work in progress and he's, he's clearly getting more comfortable, 
you know, on the court in college basketball. And, like, you know, he's averaging 16 a game. It's not like he's been, like, awful, but he's been inefficient. Um, the other yeah. game that, that happened since we last podcast was the, was the NC State game. We didn't talk about that. You know, it was a competitive game. Uh, I don't, you know, who cares because the UNC game happened, right? It's an right. injury. But I uh, figured we at least mentioned that they they handled a pretty game NC State team very well, and uh, Zion had a ludicrous game. <laughs> so yeah, I like so, so is, is, is Zion actually more valuable, like more vital to the team than we even give him credit for? Because I, I went back and I looked at the NC State game uh, through the prism of the UNC game. I mean, Zion scored what 32 points was ridiculously efficient and everybody else shot like Cam Reddish for as great of a quote unquote three point shooter. We think he's a sharpshooter, but he still has a ton of like one for seven games. I think in the NC state game, he was one for seven or one for eight. RJ's one. That's kind of normal. That's kind of normal. Like the shooting. So Zion is so good that he's like literally uh, wiped out the inefficiency of everyone else. We beat NC State by, you know, mid-teens or whatever, but you take Zion out of the game, it's a completely different story. Well, and the shots the shots are worse, and they're more contested because yeah. the, the defense can do different things. It, that, that, that There's a black hole of gravity on offense. Yeah. Uh, you know, even though he's not a three-point shooter, doesn't space the floor like, like you know, you think of like the – like Steph Curry, he has a different kind of space in the floor effect, and because he can he can pass well, as you know, he he just you know he has a huge effect on, on both sides of the court. You know, I think it's it's patently obvious. You know, you saw when he came back in the Louisville game the difference, and you saw you saw you know against Florida State that we we did struggle. Like the truth is, we have we have we really have four very good players and Trey Jones, Cam Reddish, Zion, RJ. Zion's obviously like the strongest player, right? But they're all, they're all kind of critical. Uh, Cam is probably the least critical, you know, for the stuff he does, but we could use that guy too. It's a four legged table. And if you cut one leg off, we're going to struggle to win games against really good teams. I mean, you saw it in the Syracuse game. You saw it in, in the, in the, you know, anytime Zion goes out in foul trouble, it's a little bit of a struggle. It's often we saw it in in Florida State when we didn't have Trey Jones or Trey Jones and Zion, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And but uh, yeah, an argument could be made that Cam Reddish is actually the most important player because if he's playing at a high level, we we know what we're going to get from Zion. We know what we're going to get from RJ. I think you were arguing this maybe like a month. Well, ago. he's a wild card, you know. Yeah, like if he, he if he can, he can play at like a high team, yeah. affect the game in a number of different ways, and it's consistent, then it's going to be really really hard to beat us. Um, because I mean, Zion is as you know, we almost take him for granted. He he's just so good. His his floor is so high. Even when he has a bad game, he has what eighteen points, fifteen rebounds. Yeah, he's, he's 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 a constant. He's a constant game to game. Yeah, you can just court. Take, you can just put it in the yeah. bank. So it's not that he's not important. That's the most important contribution, right? You know, RJ's contributions are the most important, but they're both more consistent, you know, than than Cam. So yeah, if you get the contribution from Cam and those guys are doing their thing, but you know, there's only so many rocks to pass around. Uh, you know, uh, 
I think I think what's been happening is the game plan has been to focus on Zion more. They're running a lot of stuff off of Zion, and him leaving the game two seconds in, a lot of the game plan kind of went away, and they had to go back to sort of just improvise. So a lot of the stuff they're running involves Zion. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, the first 10 games of the season, it was basically, you know, you give the ball to RJ and let him do his thing. You know, Cam takes a few possessions here and there. Trey can do some things also. I, I mean, I don't want to say, like, oh, Zion went out. Now we're completely unprepared for what what to do. I, I really I really feel like it was us giving away so many easy buckets defensively. Yeah, it's the that, defense. That, that was we the, couldn't get any the big, biggest factor in the, in the UNT game. And, and plus, they're, they're a great team. I mean, they beat Gonzaga. It shouldn't come as a surprise that they gave us a game and that they that they beat us. Um, no, I mean, but you're, you're always good. expecting a run, like in the Duke UNC. Even after Zion went out, even after we we're down ten or fifteen points, I mean it's very rare. It's very rare in one of these Duke UNC games for somebody to just run away with the game and it, it never to get tightened up in the second half. Yeah, and that's that's what happened here, and it was very very disappointing. Even if we had yeah. lost the game but made a run, we would have felt a lot better about it. There would have been something to get your juices flowing. But Yeah, I feel you know. like at the end of the first half, there was a chance for us. We got a steal. We could have yeah, come and, and, and cut it to like six or five, but then we, they caught the ball up in transition. And then uh, I think UNC made it a 10-point game. And then there was some talk after the game of halftime was a little bit more solid or morose because the players were checking in on Zion's status to see if, if his knee injury was serious and so – there was there was a like an extracurricular mental type of thing going on, and then we came out flat in the second half, and they just UNC just landed some haymakers, and we never really recovered. Yeah, and what about this fucking shoe? I mean, what a joke! You know what? <laughs> the mean, thing is, I've, I've seen that before. I've seen that before multiple times. I feel like Ginobili that happened to him like a handful of yeah. years back, and it, it does happen. But that it was crazy. And it then was I also, crazy. I, I also heard word on the street is that. Um, He's worn that particular shoe the whole year. I don't know if that's true or not. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know either. It was crazy. It was crazy. And then, you know, during the game and immediately after, there was this hysteria about it's like an opportunity to call out the the NCAA for not you know, taking advantage of amateurism. And a bunch of NBA players came out, like uh, Marcus Cousins and. A bunch of yeah. guys came out, Isaiah Thomas on, on Twitter. And they just said, "Dude, it's a joke. You know, college basketball is a joke." They're, you know, yeah. there's those tickets, and, and they're pointing to the Duke Carolina ticket in Cameron. It's the most expensive ticket in college basketball. People pay two, three, and up thousand dollars for tickets to these games. Yeah, probably because there's just just not that many seats in Cameron. You know, so they're saying, "Oh, how much does Zion get of that?" And then he's gonna, you know, so. It was an opportunity to sort of poke it at the NCAA and like call out, the, you know, their 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 well-known hypocrisy. Um, and, I, I thought I thought people were piling on. I mean, it's a piling yeah. culture. Everyone's just sort of like kicking, and it and it's not like I'm a fan of the NCAA, but this didn't really seem like the time and place to do it. I did find it interesting to note that Zion has like an eight million or a sixteen million dollar insurance policy out on him, which if due to injury, he falls out of the top 15 or top 13 in the draft, uh, the family gets $16 million And I think Duke, Duke paid it. Duke paid like the $50,000 insurance premium. I thought that was pretty interesting. So at the beginning of the year, we didn't know 
you know, RJ was the presumed number one pick like before the yeah. exhibition season, and Zion was was you know somewhere in the top five to seven, and it like quickly became apparent like in our first or second episode, we discussed, hey, is Zion possibly the number one pick, and we we kind of agreed that there's a good chance that he was, and it didn't take long for us to and everybody else to say this guy's the number one pick, right? Here's another here's a question for you. If he blew out his knee, right? Let's say he yeah. tore his um, uh, tore his ACL. Okay. Yeah. Joel Embiid, you know, was everyone knew he was going to be out for for a year with a, with that foot break, right? And Joel Embiid still went number three in the draft behind Zabari and Andrew Wiggins. Um, where do you think Zion gets drafted if he if he Totally blew out his ACL and needed like he was gonna miss a year. Uh, I think he would still go one. <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing. I think he yeah. still goes number one. So yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a question. I mean, I think they're betting. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty crazy, I, I though, right? I think it's like um, you have to lay twenty to one, which means if you want to win one dollar, you have to you have to bet twenty dollars that he will be the first overall pick. Um, I mean, I think he's demonstrated enough. That he is, he's the best prospect, the best player. Um, I just can't well, see anybody doing anything. We're, we're kind of crazy for taking taking Joel Embiid number three. You know, yeah. but I, I feel like Embiid didn't do that much in college. He wasn't quite as obvious a number yeah. one pick then. Like we, saw, we, we saw Kansas play that Jabari versus Wiggins and Embiid at the United Center. It was Wiggins' team plus some veterans, and Embiid was sort of like this raw like. Nigerian yeah. tall center, but he he wasn't like a vital player on the on the team. He just seemed like a long term prospect with with upside. Um, otherwise, you know, he clearly would have gone number one. Yeah, I mean, I think I actually think some the, the Embiid uh, example, you know, would would make it much much more likely that an injured player who they're just going to take the guy who has the best upside. Ben Simmons missed a year. Embiid missed a year. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, who cares? The, 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 the counterpoint to that would be uh, Michael Porter last year was supposed to be like a top two or three guy. Yep. Uh, he got injured, tried to come back to the tournament. He slid all the way down to Denver with like the 11th, 12th, or 13th pick. So it is possible. And Harry Giles. Harry Giles goes down to the 20th. Yeah. but. Exactly. The, yeah, but, but, but none of those Giles had multiple years, multiple but Zion has just demonstrated this year. Yeah. That's that's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you want to mention Jim Beheim? Did you hear what happened with Jim Beheim? I did. Uh, I I think there's some small chance that he's not coaching tomorrow. Um, I mean, so if anyone hasn't heard, uh, you know, Zal sort of. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't have any uh, any obviously firsthand knowledge. I, I, it's just come to my attention essentially that that you know Jim Bayon driving driving in, in poor weather uh, through apparently no fault of his own uh, struck a, a a guy who was getting out of a car and then walking on the road um, and uh, tragically uh, the man died in the accident. And I think Jim Bayon's okay. Yeah. Wow. What a what a uh, what a horrible thing that to have happened, and uh, you know, it, it must it must sort of affect him. I can't imagine if 
how big the story would be if it happened with Coach K. I mean, you know, um, it's just a weird, a weird note, a weird thing, uh, a weird, horrible thing that happened. Uh, yeah. Is, you know, I'm actually surprised it's not sort of a, like a bigger, bigger story. Uh, I, I, it, it probably would have been a bigger story if he was under the say. influence. If he was under the influence. Well, of course. Yeah. No, yeah he said he was coming from dinner with his wife. He passed yeah. all the field sobriety tests or whatnot. And so, you know, it just seems like a, a tragic accident. It was very, very bad, snowy weather. He tried to get out of the way. He couldn't in time. And, uh, you know, tragically, the guy died. Awful. Now, you've been in California. You missed snow here in Las Vegas. It snowed twice. Yeah. yeah. We had inches I, I, of snow. I've, I've seen all the pics and, and the posts. Uh, there, there are still a couple of things I, I would like to talk about. You saw who was sitting next to Obama in the game, right? Uh, it was Reggie Love, wasn't it? Yes, Reggie Love, if, if you're too young to know, he played. He was a football player at Duke, but then he was also a walk-on for the basketball team. Do you remember what years? Was it like well, he was more than just a walk-on. He played meaningful minutes. He was he was a, like a defensive role player. Um, yeah, he was like what, like the eighth or ninth guy on, on the squad. He was like an athletic, sort of like three or four, sort of maybe sort of like Julius Peppers, but not as good. Um, and, yeah, anyway. he was an athletic, uh, defensive guy. He didn't, didn't have a big offensive game. He wasn't expected to contribute anything, and he ended up being like a really, really good team member and uh, a contributor off the bench. Yeah, he uh, wasn't on the he wasn't on the O one title team, was he? Was he a little bit before or after that team? That's funny. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't yeah. In, no. In any, after that. After yeah. That. In any case, he was a football player and a basketball player for Duke. And when Obama was president, he was the body man. So he was basically like Charlie in, in the West Wing. He was sitting right next to him and seemed like he was still chummy with with Obama. He's he's ballooned. Quite You're a right. Bit. He, you know, he Obama was on the he was on the O one O two. Okay. Team. He, he didn't play much. He had played three minutes a game. You know, yeah. clean up duty. And then. Um, I don't know. Somehow it looks like he skipped a year or two, and then he, he was back on that J.J. Redick team, and he actually played 10 minutes a game uh, his last year, which is not insignificant. Uh, right. But, yeah, it's a big story when Obama, you know, it's a big story in Duke circles that Reggie Love was going to be Obama, one of Obama's body men yeah. and uh, played played a lot of basketball with Obama. It's cool. It's really cool to to see that, you know. I thought it was pretty awesome that he was friends, there. I mean, Obama. I'm a big Obama fan. <laughs> Um, he was he was very cool. Somebody somebody pointed out to me that he was wearing like a rag and bone bomber jacket, which blew up on Instagram, which means nothing to me. But apparently he is still trendy, still trying a little a tad too hard to be, you know, the cool president. But and we would give equal time if Donald Trump shows up and sits sits courtside at Cameron any time this season. We will certainly be talking about that as well. Uh, Obama actually tweeted after the game that he, you know, Zion is a fine young man and hopes he gets better soon. Um, yeah. So I mean, to get to get, I mean, of all the stuff that's happened this year, you know, with Duke basketball, uh, cover sports, illustrated stuff, you know, uh, Jay Z, LeBron showing up to games. Obama kind of trumps that, I think. Takes the cake, yeah. By yeah. a little bit, <laughs> it's pretty pretty insane. It was just, yeah. It was so yeah. awesome. He was there. He was courtside. He was going to be sort of in the backdrop for the whole game. And then, you know, Zion gets knocked out. And then the game was sort of a dud. It was sort of, uh, sort of, you know, whatever. 
whatever. But it was it was cool that he was there. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about real quickly was yeah. uh, you you saw the thing that I sent you about uh, the post game handshake line. Yeah, why don't you tell tell everybody about that? <laughs> so you know how Coach K always is, you know, slightly paternalistic or patronizing with younger coaches when when Duke wins, they have a convincing win. He he chest taps the opposing coach, says, "Hey, you played great. I love your team. You're going to do great." All Roy Williams wants to do to Coach K in the post hand, handshake line is I hope Zion's okay, but coach K just gives him the straight blow by afterwards. Cause he doesn't want to listen to him even for like five seconds. I, that's how, do you, how do you know? I mean, you're, you're not really describing the, the footage that you sent me. The footage was Roy Williams leans in and says, I hope Zion's okay. Coach K just blows right by him. And then, so uh, Roy Williams has to, to articulate that to John Shire, who's next in line. I sort of wish somebody like Roy Williams, a Hall of Fame coach, would just grab his hand, stop Coach K, pat him on the chest. And in the same way that Coach K treats other coaches, like say, hey, you guys played a great game, bad luck, we'll see you in Chapel Hill, I hope Zion's okay. Because, I don't know, if you're going to do that when you win, you should do that when you lose also. Yeah, it, is, uh, it, it did surprise me, the video, uh, sort of how, how clear it was that it's you been know. going on for decades. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. By but, Pacino, it's like he, he doesn't even acknowledge him almost. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't want to do it. It's just, yeah, it's partly. I, I think if, if if you had told him before the moment that like, hey, Roy's gonna come up to you and then wish Zion well, he would have he would have he would have slowed down. <laughs> so he didn't know that was gonna happen. He probably wasn't even listening. He's probably just like thinking to himself, you know, dirty thoughts about about Dean Smith and. You know, it's, listen, listen. It's what makes him so great. It's that pettiness. He's he's petty. He's a sore loser. He he loves winning so much. That's what makes him great. He is, uh, as he may or may not have said in the huddle this year. I am not a coach of losers. Uh, <laughs> but it was on the biggest stage. It was, a, it was the game was just an incredible letdown, as yeah. big a letdown as there's been uh, at home since we yeah. went to Duke, probably. Um, you know, well, just, I wouldn't go that. Far. Well, come on, isn't it? We've we've never been blown out at home by UNC by this much in a game where we're ranked number one. That's never happened. This is like, you know, but we have so much success that for sure we should be able to handle getting our getting our tail kicked once in a while. I had one other thing to uh, to mention as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You probably didn't see it. I should have sent it to you, but. Uh, Friend of the podcast, uh, occasional frequent guest, Devin Gordon, former editor of the Chronicle and I did uh, see this. I did feature see writer at large, went down to Duke uh, and got to interview all the freshmen uh, and Coach K, by the way. Uh, and he, there's an article coming out at some point um, that I got to read. Is it going to be on GQ? Is it going to be on GQ? Yeah, it was for GQ. Okay. But uh, he also mined sort of a Q&A with Zion that they released uh, this week. And it was a really good Q of a, Q&A. Um, everybody should just, just Google GQ, Zion, you know, Devin Gordon, or question and answer. And uh, it's like a, an extended long form back and forth with Zion. Uh, Zion has some really, really good quotes and some really interesting back and forth. Devin asked some really good questions. And my plan is uh, to to get a call with Devin to talk about his visit down there, uh, his impressions of each of the freshmen, uh, sort of any of the inside scoop he can share with us um, from his experience in 
in Coach K's office and get in the chat with uh, spend a little time with each each of the, the freshmen. That sounds fantastic. Do you know when the article is going to come out? Uh, basically, he had told me like, hey, when the article comes out, I'd love to come on and, and talk about it. And then uh, this this other article came out first. So I'm not I'm not sure what the publishing schedule is, and for all I know, I have it wrong. And the other one came out too. He, he reached out and said he you know would love to come on sometime. Yeah. Um, you had said after the Carolina game, you know, we haven't talked since, you know, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, sometime. Are you back in town next week? I should be back in town middle of next week. I don't know for how long, though. Okay. Well, if we can do it all together, great. We might be able to do it like this over the phone. Uh, worst case, I can just sort of do a one-on-one call with him, uh, but we'll figure it out. And yep. uh, guys, uh, thanks for listening. As always, I know um, the podcasts have been a little sporadic. There's been some, some stuff going on. You know, I'm, I've been busy. Peter, Peter actually is developing a personal life and is traveling and stuff. So, uh, hey, people don't uh, need to hear anything about my personal life. <laughs> Nobody cares, Mike. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, I got to tell you I'll, about something uh, off air. Off air. That's uh, very interesting that happened to me. Um, very recently this week, but uh, my parents are coming in town, so there's a lot of stuff going on. But we're gonna we're trying to do a better job getting these podcasts out on time. We actually yeah. recorded one or two of them, and like I made a mistake in how I updated the uh, XML files. So, you know, if you did miss one or two of the episodes, if you refresh your feeds, you should be able to go back and hear us talk about the comeback game against Louisville and the road win against UVA. Much, much happier podcast than this one. Um, <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll get back to you. We'll try to do one at least, you know, we should do one every week down the stretch here. This, this is going to be like a really, a really uh, cool Important. stretch run. And, yeah, yeah. and interesting uh, to see how Zion comes back, how soon he comes back. Um, Mike, bottom yeah. line, how good do you think we are? I think we're. I still think we're really good. I think we're playing a lot of really good teams. Yeah. Uh, and I think you know against a really good team like a UNC or UVA in a neutral court or Gonzaga, or you know Kansas, Kentucky, what have you. I think I think we're the favorite. Um, but you know, by not, a little bit, by a little bit. We're the favorite. I don't love. I don't love. I don't really like love us. I wouldn't lay three to one in any of those matchups. Uh, right. Except me, you know. But, but I like you know I, I do like what we bring to the table. I think we have the most talented guys. The top guys are the most talented. For and sure, I mean that's indisputable. That's always good to have on a basketball court. And yeah, my, my my concern in every game is just that you know we're obviously better as a as a front runner. You know, if we get down by double digits, I just get worried a little bit about our outside shooting, and then well, and, and then to compound and then to compound that is just. We're, we're so like we're so top heavy that if one of our three or four guys goes down, that's even more worrisome because it, it seems like the guys who are coming off the bench so far, thus far, I mean, no one has really really stepped up. Well, I don't know. Various times guys have. Bolden's played big games. Jack White has played big games. You know, Alex Kyle did score double digits against Syracuse coming in off the bench, starting that second half there. You know, as I think it's an op- this is an opportunity, and Zion's injury is an opportunity to for Coach K to pull like as as great as he's been 
sometimes, you know, some, some recent years have been disappointing. I yeah. do feel like he's got his reins on this, his hands on the reins on this team. And I you know, really like the way this team generally defends. They had a bad game against Carolina. I like yeah. the toughness. I do think this team is gritty and they love, they love playing together. I think Zion comes back and I think, I think it's going to be really fun to watch. Uh, I'm going to feel very strongly about this team back in, uh, was it 14, 15, uh, 15, 16, where Okafor and Justice Winslow, where they won the national championship. Yeah. That 14, squad, 15. that squad, you know, it's a good thing we didn't play Kentucky. Kentucky probably had us just a, a little bit out kicked with talent. Yeah. Um, and frankly, Wisconsin had that game against us. You know, we made a lot of big plays down the stretch to win. But that yeah. team wasn't one that was like outclassing the field by a mile when it came to a few of the other top teams. Um, this team, I feel like we have the others out kicked, but I also feel like there's a lot of internal drive and uh, it's just it's going to be fun watching, watching them uh, try to win it all. We have a, still have a chance to win the, the ACC title. We still have a chance to win the ACC tournament championship. We have a chance to go to the Final Four. We have a chance to win the national championship. We're probably still going to be a one seed. So it, it's all still lined up. Um, and we have a chance to get revenge on, on Carolina on their home court in uh, two short weeks, or one and a half weeks. So I uh, I canceled the Airbnb for Minneapolis. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I actually like that you're the optimist between the two of us this year. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. We, uh, you know, very good team. Very good team. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy every game, guys. Uh, we're never, these guys are unique, you know. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Yep. Yep. Good to do.